It's our job to tell better stories. And always remember, it's the risk takers that are rewarded. People are sick and tired of being marketed to, and they're sick and tired of being sold. The single biggest story today in sales and marketing is how our customers are buying different Hey everyone, it's your host Edward Ford and welcome to the Growth of Podcast, the show about all things B2B SaaS marketing. This podcast is brought to you by Advanced B2B, the growth marketing agency that helps B2B SaaS businesses generate sustainable revenue growth through marketing. So if you're looking for an agency partner who will help you get measurable results from your marketing, then check out advancedb2b.com for more info. Now, joining us today on the show is Margie Agin, founder and chief strategist at Centerboard Marketing. And in this episode, we're talking about how to turn your brand strategy into tangible marketing tactics. We often hear about how important it is to build a brand in B2B SaaS nowadays, but how do you bridge the gap between your brand strategy and your marketing tactics? Well, Margie tells us how. Before founding Centerboard, Margie led demand gen for an edtech company called Blackboard, and now she helps B2B tech companies discover what makes them unique and find the words to say it. She's also the author of Brand Breakthrough, How to Go Beyond a Catchy Tagline to Build an Authentic, Influential and Sustainable Brand Personality. And in this episode, she covers how to accurately and consistently reflect a company's strategic brand positioning and voice, how to get your company bought in and aligned on brand, and how to turn brand strategy into demand gen campaigns. Margie also discusses how to modify your brand strategy as your company grows, as well as some examples of B2B SaaS companies that do a great job of reflecting and amplifying their brand and also which companies miss the mark. So there's all this and more on episode number 77 of the Growth of Podcast with Margie Agin, founder and chief strategist at Centerboard Marketing. Welcome to another episode of the Growth of Podcast, and it's my pleasure to welcome Margie Agin to the show, who is founder and chief strategist at Centerboard Marketing. So Margie, thank you so much for joining us today here on the Growth of Podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, I have been looking forward to this episode ever since we agreed to this, since we're talking about a topic I think all marketers will relate to, and that's how to turn your brand strategy into tangible marketing tactics. Now, we hear all the time about how important it is to build a brand in B2B SaaS nowadays. But to kick things off, I thought I'd just love to ask, what does brand actually mean to you? Well, it's it's much more than sort of the look and feel, right? And the brand identity. That's that's important too. That's the visual elements, your logo, your colors, right? All that. Um, but I, I look at brand as much sort of broader as more of an umbrella of brand personality, right? So sort of imagine your brand as a, as a character in a story, right? So let's say there's two main characters, right? Your, your customer is your hero, but your brand is also there in the story. So what role does that character have play in the life of the customer or the hero? How do they speak? How do they make the hero feel? How do they help the hero of the story, the customer, move along their journey and achieve their goals, right? So that's, that's sort of an overarching kind of way to think about brand. And um, I, I, one of the, I'd say the most important aspect for, for a B2B SaaS brand, right? When it comes to turning this sort of very high level, almost sort of, you know, airy fairy kind of idea into tangible action is really brand positioning. Right. Where do we sit in the market compared with other options and alternatives that the buyer has? What makes your company really unique and memorable? Right, because we all know you know markets are increasingly crowded and so important to differentiate. So, 
you know, think it, it, when you're not in the room, if a customer or your partner or even an employee says, oh, this company does this, you know, this is what they're like. They should have a ready answer. They say it with consistency. And that's, that's really what makes your brand differentiated and, and also memorable over time. Yeah, I love this analogy of characters in a story and understanding that brand is more than just your logos, your visuals. So following from this, why is it important for all your marketing campaigns and collateral to accurately and consistently reflect a company's strategic brand positioning and voice? So let's say you took, I'm not the first person to say this. I think it was Anne Handley, I think, who I'm quoting. But let, let's say you, you took the logo off your content right? Would you know that it was yours? Would your customers know? Right? So it's, it's that consistency that really builds trust over time, right? And also helps really busy, distracted people remember you because they easily forget. And we all know, you know, people don't travel on their buyer journey in, in a straight line. They, they dip in and out. They're on different platforms, different experiences. So we want to be telling the same story across the board. We might change our tone a little bit, right? Depending on whether we're on social media or, you know, we're in a customer service call, but, but ultimately we don't really change our fundamental personality, just like you don't change your fundamental personality, right? So <laughs> most likely your buyers are going to encounter your brand before they ever get a chance to meet your salespeople, right? Or their executives in person. So you want kind of the, the feeling that they get when they're interacting, say with your website or any of your touch points or your content to be the same or, or close to what they would get if they were actually interacting with the people on their team. Right. And the, you know, it's really about how how well you build that connection with customers because what what attracts people to your company is the value that you provide and also how you make people feel you're earning that trust and consistency builds trust so that you then, once you earn that trust, you can you know, get people's attention to, to sort of talk about your product and your services. So and the other part you mentioned accuracy, you know, if people get a certain impression, let's say of your, from your social media, your website, and then they interact with your people or your product, and it's a different story altogether, that's, that's actually worse, right? That's a great way to shoot yourself in this foot and destroy trust because you weren't accurately, authentically, you know, reflecting the true culture or the personality of the company. So you don't, you know, want to bait and switch where you pretend to be one thing and then it turns out you're not. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that is a super important point on consistency. And another challenge with brand marketing can be internal buy-in since it's a bit harder to measure and prove the value of compared to something like performance marketing. So how do you get an organization on the same page about a company's brand positioning and voice? And can you talk us through the steps that help to gain buy-in and enable people to convey the brand effectively so that there is this consistency and that marketing isn't saying one thing and all the other departments are saying something completely different. Yeah, sure. So you know, before I, I started centerboard marketing, I, I was an in-house marketer for about 15 years and I, I ran um, digital marketing and, and demand gen teams. And I would often sort of be the recipient of the brand, right? So, you know, the CMO or maybe the executives or maybe an agency, right? Would sort of go in a room in a silo and, and work on the brand. 
um, you know, or they go off on a retreat somewhere or something <laughs> to, and, and then they bring that to the rest of the organization and sort of lay it at your feet. And, and I always found that really, really frustrating as sort of, you know, the, the doer in the team, because I then had to kind of interpret these very high level brand statements into, well, okay, what am I actually going to write on the website, right? <laughs> How do I sound in an email or even what kind of content or campaigns do I produce? So I, I think it starts from that very, very beginning, right, of bringing kind of different voices and inputs into the room when you're working on a brand and defining your brand personality, right? It kind of, so there's three pillars, I'd say, right? There's the internal folks, um, customers, and, and even competitors, right? And sort of cross-referencing and triangulating those three pillars is, is how you kind of come up with something that is culturally authentic to your company, right? Something your customers really actually care about, and, and then something that stands out that's different from your competitors. So in my book, um, I include different questions to ask and activities and, and frameworks to kind of draw out information from these three kind of stakeholder groups um, and, and audiences. So, so for example, internally, right, there's a lot of, of workshops and, and surveys um, and kind of questionnaires and, and facilitated discussions. Um, but again, really getting different people from different departments, you know, the product management team should have a strong voice there, but same with sales and customer service, because th those folks are really sort of boots on the ground interacting with customers every day, right? And if you gain their buy-in, and often there's kind of an, in, an influencer, you know, a, a loud voice <laughs> within those groups, right? So if you gain sort of their buy-in early on, they also help to bring along sort of the rest of their organization when, when it comes time to then roll out the band, right? Because they feel like they had input and they understand the process. That's the internal part. And then the, the customer piece is, you know, again, what do they say about you when you're not in the room, you know, and are you actually talking about the things you want to talk about? Or are you talking about the things that they really care about most? And you can kind of find an intersection between those things. So uh, in an ideal situation, you sort of have a customer advisory board, or you can kind of, you know, pressure test some of your early ideas against some customers and, and kind of a trusted group of customers. Um, those are your friendlies. So ideally you can kind of test it with people that don't know you, right? And then finally competitors, you know, is looking at, at other sites at, at, you know, asking customers about alternatives and really finding out is your message and voice really unique? You know, how does it position you against the competition? And, you know, thinking of competition even more broadly, which is sort of share of wallet. What, what else are people spending money on instead of spending money on you? And, and can you actually, you know, stand out? So I, I think, you know, saying that you've sort of looked at all these three things and, you know, going sort of presenting all of that back to the, to the folks internally helps from the very beginning. Um, and then I, I, I in terms of getting sort of the, the rollout of the brand, right? So once you sort of have something that you want to present and you have the imagery and, and you know, the definition of sort of the style and the brand values and it's, it's 
it's very uh, important and more meaningful to people if you can kind of bring that down to assets and sort of artifacts that they would actually use in their day-to-day lives, right? So you, you sort of not just a, a list of brand attributes, but show how those brand attributes come to life in the way you use words, right? The language choice, how you might write an email, you know, what you might put on the website, you know, down to sort of a presentation. Um, it needs to sort of feel like, um, you know, something people would really use and make it super easy and relevant to the people's jobs, Otherwise, they, you know, they, they, they sort of go back to whatever they have hidden in folders in their, in their, and, you know, in their desk drawers, and they just use what they've always been using. So if you're trying to get an organization to change to sort of reflect, you know, in a brand refresh and kind of reflect the new brand, you have to really help them sort of along the way by making it super easy for them. Yeah, I think this is so, so important since building a strong brand requires a lot of internal buy-in alignment and stakeholder management. And I think this piece is often overlooked. So it's great you emphasize the importance of that. And I think moving to the external view, let's talk more about customers. So B2B purchases typically include many decision makers, often in a buying committee. So how can we consider these different audiences in our marketing tactics and use marketing programs to bring them together while still maintaining a consistent brand? Yeah, there's there's a big uh, challenge, right, for B2B companies is this kind of buying committee because you have multiple personas, you know, different audiences. And sometimes it's challenging to know when they come in and out, right, of, of the process. Um, I think you know, often you have, say, you know, the most successful relationships, right, is, is possibly where there's one person who's a champion. Right. And maybe that's often, often they, they might be in, let's say you're selling marketing software, it's the marketing person or, you know, a privacy software, it's the, it's the legal and the privacy team. And then they have to sort of go to the IT department and, and kind of carry your message to them. Right. That's a, often a common path, unless you're selling directly to IT. You know, there's some business unit that and kind of business decision maker that cares about the ROI and gets really super excited about this new tool. And then IT can often be a blocker in that process. Right. So, you know, like if you can kind of work with that, like that business team, say the marketing team to kind of get the ball rolling. Um, you know, that marketing person's in a tough spot too, because they often, they don't know, they're not technical experts, right? So they don't always know the technical side of things well enough to communicate internally. And, and you can't always be in those meetings behind the doors. So you're relying on, again on them to kind of carry your message. So, you know, one, one of the tactics I've seen be really successful is a champion's kit, right? You sort of give the marketer or the business decision maker, you know, package of materials that they can understand, right? So it's sort of written at their part of it, at least is written at their level, but also that they can present, you know, to the IT team. So they can be your advocate and they can also be included in that process. And, and it doesn't happen without them in the room. Um, and that's, you know, getting all in a perfect world, getting all those stakeholders, you know, in, in say one meeting, 
or at least looking at the same kind of information. And this is again, why consistency is so important, right? In this process is, is you know, it's tricky. And, and that's why B2B sales take so long, um, but that's an important part of the process. And I think the more you can do to really like make that champion truly your advocate and again, make it, make it so easy for them to do. So they're not making things up on their own, <laughs> you know, <laughs> without your input. Um, that, that, that's a good key. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I would love to dig into is that you said earlier you worked in-house in demand gen and were basically given the brand strategy handed to you. So while this wasn't the most ideal workflow, how did you as an in-the-trenches marketer take that strategy and turn it into concrete demand plans and campaigns? Yeah. So, you know, I've, I've played both a content role um, and where I'm constantly trying to think of, you know, new sort of thought leadership and top of funnel type of content campaigns uh, and kind of down in the trenches, demand gen, you know, where you're you live and die by the number and the quality of, of the leads that you produce, right? So I guess top of funnel, some examples that, that kind of come to mind that also reflect the brand, right? We, we kind of choose, this is where brand positioning is so important, right? Because we, we choose really carefully what issues we, we raise, right? What kind of, maybe there's controversial issues or, you know, thought leadership topics that we want to take on that, that need to align with their brand values and our brand positioning. Um, so let's for so at, at a high level, so let's say your brand value is, you know, you're you're curious, right? You're you're always learning. It could be one of your brand values, right? So maybe this is the type of company that loves to do original research. Right. And and you that's what you choose to invest in because you want to do thought leadership and you, you want to contribute back to the industry. Um, you know, let's say one of your brand values is like transparency, um, openness, which we hear a lot. Uh, so at, at one company, they were, they were more a services company than a software company, but um, they had a running total of sort of their, like their help desk tickets on, right front and center on their website. And, you know, you had their customer satisfaction and their customer feedback right up there on, on the website for anybody who wanted to see a live feed. Like that's backing up, you know, put, put, putting your money where your mouth is in terms of, you know, saying you're a transparent brand and then acting on it. So that's sort of some, some top of funnel kind of content ideas, um, you know, and those are, you know, they get people to notice you in terms of brand brand awareness. But then from there, we, we need to really start creating a red thread, you know, to the product because that's really converting those people from having interest or coming in off an SEO search to then saying, oh, this is what the company does and this is how I can solve the problem. Right. So, you know, ideally giving people, you know, a little taste of your product, um, giving a little bit of a way for free is is a really strong demand gen tactic, right? So, you know, I'd say, you know, some of the most effective types of, of, of content in terms of conversion and driving pipeline, I've really seen are free tools um, 
you know, I, I mean, I've worked with, so one example, I worked with a cybersecurity company on a, on a series of kind of free discovery tools. So, I mean, discovery, actually a feature that's baked into their full paid product, right? But for the free tools, we gave that piece away for free. And then discovery raises all sort of issues, right? What kind of vulnerabilities you have, you know, your passwords are in multiple places, all kind of dangerous stuff that makes you vulnerable to cyber attack. So, you know, we provided something of value to the user, which is which is a brand, you know, supporting the brand value and visibility they didn't have before. And then we built that brand connection. But then we've also raised issues that can be solved and can only be solved with the full product, right? So there's sort of this natural next step and kind of an enticement to, to learn more. And that's, that's when you're starting to really drive people into the pipeline. Yeah, this is really good to hear and great to hear those examples from the past of how brand turns into demand gen. So coming back to brand specific and brand relevant content, it isn't just things like blog posts, podcasts, or videos. There's a lot you can do with brand marketing, but how can you provide enough value to get buyers attached to your brand, but also so that they'll be interested in your actual product? Yeah, so that's that's where I think, you know, those kind of ideas like the free tools and, and even the free trials, right? Is when you sort of, you take that top, top of funnel kind of, you know, blog posts and podcasts and, and thought leadership papers, right? And then you've raised a lot of issues through that. Now, now we've kind of ratcheted up, you know, sort of the awareness and, and the pain and built some empathy <laughs> to show people we understand what they're going through. Then we need to kind of provide the, the antidote. And that's where kind of the most effective type of content, you know, in terms of driving pipeline could be something like a free tool, right? Where you're, you're still showing the, the values of, of the brand possibly by giving something away for free and providing value and, you know, visibility and insight, let's say if it's a discovery tool, as I talked about, but then you're also immediately giving people a little taste to show how the product backs up what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. And some companies worry that emphasizing the risk of not using their products makes them appear too negative and they want their brand to be positive and aspirational. Yet we know that loss aversion is actually a pretty effective technique to drive urgency. So how can you strike the right balance in your marketing? What do you need to consider? Yeah, I was, I was talking about sort of ratcheting up the you know, ratcheting up the pain, <laughs> which is sort of like the, you know, we know people are, I mean, I think they're twice as likely to act to avoid pain as they are for the pleasure of gain, right? So, you know, this idea of, I think the loss aversion, I think psychologists call it, I'm not a psychologist, amateur psychologist, right? <laughs> but like these sort of triggers that we as marketers like to use to drive action. And I mean, what really what we're trying to do is get people to change the status quo, which, you know, it's probably the biggest enemy of most B2B sales is actually no action at all, right? So if people can put action off, they, they will. So that, you know, we, we use sort of this common structure for like a sales presentation or an ebook or something, which is, you know, show the risk if you don't act and then like turn the screw and make it really hurt. And then, da, 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 you know, you come in with your product or your solution, you take the pain away. 
And, you know, it's funny that you mentioned like some brands just like they, they don't want to be the negative person in the room. And sometimes when I, I talk about that with some kind of companies where, you know, their brand values are positivity and, and, you know, um, they, they don't, they want to stay positive. They don't, they want to be the one presenting the, the inspiring vision of the future and not harp on the negative. So, you know, you do need, definitely need to consider balance. You know, you can present some of the pain, but then you, you have to quickly provide the medicine to address it. And, you know, also if you're talking about pain and like the risk of getting it wrong, you want to be really careful that you aren't making your customers feel too badly about what they're doing today. You know, it's sort of like nobody wants to call, you know, you don't want to call their baby ugly. (laughs) Your goal is not to like grind them down. It's to uplift them. So it's possible to sort of put it in terms of they have opportunities for change they can capitalize on, right? Or, you know, looking at what others are doing to inspire them. And, you know, they get it. They can look internally and say, you know, am I doing this or not doing this? So you, you don't need to sort of make them feel you know, like dirt. <laughs> um, I guess that what, you know, one of the last thing to consider is, is don't overuse this power, right? I mean, may, you know, maybe this is more of a B2C example, but, you know, we just had 4th of July sales here, you know, in the US. So, you know, on the 4th, you get your, you get the, all these emails that say, it's your last chance for, you know, 30% off. And then lo and behold, on the 5th, right, you get a message that says, great news, our 4th of July sale is extended, right? So it's like the boy who cried wolf, you know, I know it's going to be extended, so I I don't feel the urgency. There's no loss if I don't act on the 4th because you're going to send me another email on the 5th, and I know this because you always do this every holiday. So, you know, sparingly using it um, actually might get you farther than you know, then when you're overusing it and then you, you don't back it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You definitely want, <laughs> don't want to go over the top with, with this, but I think this is awesome. And I love the point uh, about being an amateur psychologist. I think we as marketers, all marketers are amateur psychologists yeah, at the end of the day. Um, <laughs> but one thing marketers are all obsessed with is growth and growing their businesses. So how have you seen brand strategy change as companies themselves mature and grow and how do you manage this process across an organization yeah i mean brand whether it's i personality or, or more detailed positioning right it's never static it's always living and growing and and you're also you're learning um as as you go you know you, you can't be perfect right out the gate so even when you launch say a new brand or you know crystallize your brand setting the expectation that, you know, this is living and breathing and growing is, is important. Um, and, and ultimately, you know, some of it's not up to you, the, the market changes, you know, your customers change, um, or maybe your own, you know, over time, your own company changes, right. You sort of go from like an upstart rebel, you know, the, the newbie in the market. And then a few years later, suddenly you're the market leader. So, you know, you can't rely anymore on that sort of, you know, rebellious David versus Goliath kind of messaging if, if suddenly you're the Goliath, right? So we have to sort of take a look back every so often and, you know, depending on how fast your market's moving, it, it could be quarterly, but it, it could, should be, at, I think, at least a once a year, you know, and these kind of fresh eyes are so important. Yeah, I think this is super, super important because 
the story and the brand you're building at 1 million ARR as a SaaS company, it, it's going to look very different when you're 10 million. And again, when you're 20, 50, you need to be constantly rethinking and, and reinventing. So I think this is a great, great piece to consider and remember. And I was thinking before we move to the fast five closing questions, let's finish up with some examples. So which B2B SaaS companies do a great job of reflecting and amplifying their brand and which companies have missed the mark? Well, Slack um, is, does a great job of reflecting and amplifying brand with kind of their brand, the voice. Um, you know, when you interact kind of with, with their chat bot or Slack bot, you know, that really kind of reflects their language as well as the look and feel. And I think they've, they've really focused in on trying to make sure that that they're consistent across different touch points, you know, even when they're, you know, they've been acquired and, you know, they're still kind of trying to retain that identity. So, and actually Salesforce, um, you know, they, so it's kind of, you know, they're back to an example of a company that's really changed over time. Right. I mean, if you like, I don't know, 15 years ago, maybe it was when they, they used to talk about how it was no software, they had sort of that like Ghostbusters kind of like, <laughs> you know, logo yeah. thing where it was like software, no software. But that almost seems seems like so antiquated and kind of ridiculous now, right? Because like we're all SaaS companies, so we're all sort of no quote no software in that in that sense. So you now that feels out of date. And I think they just maybe a year ago or so went from the, you know a tagline that's we bring companies and customers together. And it, even a huge company like that, that's, that's literally what they do. They've become this hub. So I think they did, a, they did a great job of really kind of reflecting that we're not at all what we used to be, right? That doesn't resonate anymore. It makes sense. And now we're, you know, now we're, now we, this is the role we play in the market. Um, gosh, the ones that, that miss the mark, I mean... If I could think of them off the top of my head, that wouldn't be their problem, right? But I mean, it's the ones that sound like, you know, we are a leading provider of seamless, scalable solutions that, you know, power business outcomes, right? Those, those are the ones that are totally forgettable. There's, there's a whole bunch of those sort of um, that all sound the same. Yeah, exactly. There's the overload of corporate jargon when there's a lot of words strung together and then when you try to figure out what does this mean you have absolutely no idea what they do so don't be one of those businesses that's for sure so um yeah Marjorie, this is super good and we can now move to our closing questions and our fast five challenge so to wrap things up i'll ask five questions and all you need to do is answer as quickly as possible so are you ready i'm ready yes all right first question what is the one book you would recommend others to read Story Wars. It's it's a, it's a few years old now, but um, by Jonathan Sachs and talks about storytelling. Lots of examples of both both B two C and B two B. Awesome. Sounds like a great follow up to yeah. this episode. Second question: A SaaS company you love and why? So I'm going to give a shout out to Gather Content. Um, they're in the UK, and they so they they solved a very specific problem I had, which was managing content for a website revamp and then getting it into the actual website, right? And they, they, but they produce a ton of helpful, really thoughtful content that's more strategic, um, tactical and strategic and not just about their own products, but really sort of, you know, helping the market that they serve. 
Cool. Third question, favorite place to learn about marketing online? You know, I really, I really like um, marketing experiments. Um, I think their site is marketingexperiments.com and they, they run a lot of tests. They have access to a lot of research. Um, so, which I don't always have, you know, because I, I see things in smaller amounts. So I can't always run, you know, a test of 10,000 people or, you know, <laughs> but I love seeing the data and the findings from all, all the types of digital tests that they run. Awesome. Fourth question. Most, most important growth metric. I, I mean, it has to be revenue, right? Cause ultimately that's the common metric that affects everything in the, in the company, right? And then everybody cares about. So, and, and if revenue is growing, you have a lot more flexibility to sort of look at all the other metrics that matter, like engagement and retention. And then you get to spend time talking about brand and storytelling and, you know, things that don't always provide immediate ROI and take time, right? But you, you have to start with revenue so that you sort of have the space to do those things. Yeah, absolutely. And then fifth and final question, best piece of advice for fellow marketers? Just keep listening. Um, you know, get out of your own bubble, talk to the other people in the company, you know, talk to the customers, find out what you can about competitors, right? And, and just continually listen. Awesome. Love it. Well, Margie, I have to say this was absolutely fantastic. And thank you so much for coming on the Growth of Podcast. Yeah, it was really fun. Thanks for the great conversation. That was Margie Egan on how to turn your brand strategy into tangible marketing tactics. So thank you so much for listening. And if you're enjoying the show, we'd love for you to leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And as ever, you're always welcome to reach out to me on Twitter at Nordic Edward or connect on LinkedIn. So thank you so much for listening to the Growth of Podcast brought to you by Growth Marketing Agency, Advanced B2B. This is your host, Edward Ford, signing off. And make sure you check out advancedb2b.com for more content and resources on everything B2B SaaS growth. It's our job to tell better stories. And always remember, it's the risk takers that are rewarded. People are sick and tired of being marketed to, and they're sick and tired of being sold. The single biggest story today in sales and marketing is how our customers are